Hey, baby. Hey. Naomi and Andy here with yep. a quick cue slash request. Yes. So, okay, Acast is doing these audience surveys, okay? We put the link in the show notes. The link is going to be in the link tree on our on Instagram and everything like that. Here's the thing, Naomi. Yeah. You know, we're already pretty choosy about the ads right. that we allow on the show. No weapons manufacturers. Raytheon, get out of here. Yeah. Screw off, Raytheon. But we want to make sure that the ads are kind of tailored to y'all. Right. Okay? Right? Say you want to hear ads for a different world DVD box sets. We need to know that. We, we need can to go out that. to them. We can get the word <laughs> out. But we only can get the word out if you give us the word. So you got to fill out the survey. It is quick, quick, quick. And it just lets us know if the ads you're hearing are the right ads for you. Yeah. So get on over to the show notes where that link is or the Couples Therapy link tree and fill out that quick survey so we can pass the word on to ACAST. All right. Roll it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Open your hearts, loosen your butts. It's time for Couples Therapy. Yeah, this podcast is Andy and Naomi's, where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies, talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling, to messy situations, shits and conscious and coupling, from Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu, text sex, regrets, so feeling on your new jubu. They gon' talk about it, ah, yeah, you are invited, ah, needing therapy, I guarantee, baby, we got it. It's Hello, everyone, and welcome to Couples Therapy. My name is Naomi. My name is Andy. And we're a real-life couple. A real-life couple of comedians. And on Couples Therapy, we answer a couple of different questions from a couple of different listeners. I'm going to tell you right now, y'all, it's Saturday night, and what we doing? Recording an <laughs> intro. So you know our night's popping off. Yes, we don't <laughs> want to get into it, but we are recording from two separate rooms. I have my own brush with COVID. We'll see what happens. But uh, if there is, if you if you can sense that the charisma is just slightly less from us not being next to each other, dear gentle listener, that is the reason we are a room apart. Well, you can speak for yourself because I can keep my charisma up. <laughs> Maybe you need to be close to me so you can get some of this cast off charisma. Because you know me, I get in front of this microphone and I just turn it on, sister girl. That's what I give. Uh, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, girl. <laughs> if I want to turn on the charisma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, I just, I, I just close my eyes, wrinkle my nose, like I'm in Bewitched. I was about to say <laughs> you're giving us a Bewitched. Yes, that's a reference that everyone <laughs> listening Andy, will get. I've always said about you, you're young. Okay, mm. you're young, you're fresh, you're fun. 
And this bewitched reference is a classic example. Look, Naomi, the breadth of my knowledge is such that I can make references from Donna Reed to Ice Spice, Naomi. Okay. What's Ice Spice? uh, She's a new rapper. Oh, see, I didn't even know. I would have said from Donna Reed to Donna Summer, and that's still dated. (laughs) So I was like, I can really only give you 50s to 70s. 50s to 70s. That's the energy I'm bringing to the table as a young, hip person. (laughs) You're a classic rock station of a human being. Absolutely. That's me. That's what people have said about me for years. It's so funny. So, you know, I do the Lifetime podcast, listener, Andy knows, but listener, I do a Lifetime podcast and I had to watch a movie this morning and like a very early line that one actor says to another, a teacher says to a high school student, she says, it's a shame more people don't know how nice and smart you are, Man. <laughs> which I thought was the most insulting thing you could ever say to somebody. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, <laughs> that is some pedagogical shade right there. I was like, I think that's like. That's, I think that line of dialogue is meant to tell us that this student is shy, but I think it, it really just comes off like this teacher is like, too bad you have no friends. <laughs> also, this <laughs> teacher is played by Vivica Fox. So that is adds an, another layer of fun to the whole thing. Vivica A. Fox? Vivica A. Fox. Okay. Just wanted to check to make sure we were talking about the same person. Oh, no, absolutely. You should. Ooh, Angie, can I tell everybody about our exciting new thing we're going to do? <laughs> I'm, I'll do I'm it. I'm not sure what you're talking about, so sure. Well, you guys on Sunday, February 12th, 7 p.m. Eastern, Andy and I will be part of the Ask Rana third annual Carriage House Lonely Hearts live show. Okay? We love it. Well, you know I'm an Ask Rana stan. You know Brian Safi is my nemesis. Um, but at the same time, we are friends and I wish him the best. Okay? But the Ask Rana live show, it's online. You can watch it from the comfort of home. It's going to be games, trivia, fun. Me and Andy are doing a bit. We don't know what it is yet, but it will be delightful. So if you have (laughs) any interest, you should definitely come through. If you go to askranalive.com, you can get tickets. But again, it's online too. So it's like, who doesn't love? What I love is like being in my house. You don't even know if I'm wearing pants or not. Okay, when I'm doing myself a Zoom show, I'm out here just loosey-goosey, but I'm having the time of my life. Naomi, you're not going to get us fired. I was going to say canceled, but it's that... No, no, fired. Fired. You're not going to get us fired like that guy from The Believer or the guy from... I know, I shouldn't joke. I'm always wearing pants. I know. What is it with highbrow literary magazines and their editors or whoever's having to do Zooms with their pants off? I have no idea. I will say I can barely do a Zoom without a bra. Like something about like I need to be pantsed. I need to be underwired because it helps get me in work mode. Sure. It says to me, you got to focus. You're ready. This is a real thing. If I come in a little too, if I'm swinging too much, if I'm Winnie the Pooh and swinging, nothing's getting done. I'm going to tell you, Naomi, that's the couples therapy difference. (laughs) We come to these Zooms with energy. We come to these Zooms with bras and pants on. Okay. (laughs) Yep, Other people yep. just casually walking onto this, flipping their computer open and being like, oh, what am I doing? All right. Um, hey, what's going on? Hey, guys. You and me. <laughs> yep. No matter what. All right. I have been living in anxiety. And yet, the minute we flip that switch, yep. what am I doing, Naomi? I'm giving you energy. I'm giving you charisma. <laughs> okay. Yes, Miss Carpenter. That's what I'm calling you. That's how much charisma you got. I'm calling you Charisma Carpenter, aka Cordelia Chase, a hot Buffy reference. Yes, I'm young and fun. Hey, now you made it. That's what I'm trying to do. You made a reference in the 90s. All right. You're getting up there. 90s and early aughts. Okay. 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 okay so I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. Well, no. Um, Hold on. 
because Buffy season seven is what, 2003? Yeah, early on. You're, you're maybe, because that means that when she left, which was season four, to go to Angel. Well, she's still Charisma Carpenter in Angel. You think she did in the Angel, show? Angel, what? Doesn't Angel last us till 2006 or seven? Yes. Do you think she'd be on couples therapy? Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm just telling you that right now. Absolutely not. I don't think so. And that's just that's that's just my gut instinct. And uh-huh. I think that's totally fine. And that's totally fine. Charisma, if um, you're listening, we'd love to have you on. <laughs> Charisma? Charisma, are you there? Are you hey, listening? Naomi, can I tell you one thing that a listener sent to us? Absolutely. Do you remember it was either last episode or the episode before? We talked about how, you know, we've got calcium stains in our toilet. <laughs> Why did you even bring that up? I don't remember that, but I sure as shit know that if you had brought that up, I was like, please let this hoe cut that out. But no. Yeah, you brought up calcium stains in our toilet. Continue. Well, a listener said, if calcium stains are the same thing as hard water stains, which mm-hmm. is what they get, then they they sent us a link to a uh, a pumice stone toilet cleaner. Wow. I just want to, if, if anyone's living the life we're living, where... We are ashamed to have people over because there are stains that have nothing to do with what you would think. Right. It has nothing to do with the body. It has nothing, nothing to do, to do with, with the body. body. No, these are supernatural stains that come from the water <laughs> in Los Angeles. Heavy with calcium. Maybe heavy. Maybe that's what hard water is. I don't know. I don't. I didn't do any research before this. I was too busy looking up masks and shit. So I can't tell you. But I can tell you that if calcium stains or hot water stains we might have a solution and we don't have to keep putting in crazy corrosive chemicals into mm-hmm. the toilet every couple months and having mm-hmm. to call the the super is that what you call right. that person the super why are yeah, they cause... i mean they're the superintendent i guess you shorten it to super they're not that super right right right, right. the regular yeah the regular they should very be called nice. the regular intended very nice capable but regular yeah absolutely hey absolutely. this is my i'm auditioning to be uh jerry seinfeld's understudy <laughs> <laughs> honestly that's really good i mean i was thinking I, it's funny because um i was saying something very silly yesterday and i was like i am not a comedian who can make that a bit this is a bit for like a goofy white boy like there's certain things where i'm like that's not what you want to hear from me. And I'm like, how do I put some of my own stank on it? Like I have basic ideas all the time, but I'm never like, I should say this on stage. And that's what separates me from a lot of silly people. Naomi, say the, say the, the premise at least. Okay. So what happened was, and I'm still going to use it, but a couple days ago, Andy and I, we were walking Mabel and he was like walking. And basically we were splitting off in two directions. Cause I was going to go meet somebody. So Andy's got Mabel and when she did her little business, I grabbed the poop because, you know, she's pulling left and right. And I was like, I got it. You know, I got a bag. I got poop bags in every pocket of everything I own. So I grabbed her poop. Then we separate. And then I'm walking and I realize I am holding a bag of dog poop, (laughs) but I no longer have a dog with me. And I was just thinking about how it's like poop without a dog is a very different individual. Uh, the person who has a bag of animal feces but no animal begs a lot of questions. You're like, is this person a collector? Are they a kook? I'm concerned. I'm worried. I'm triggered. Is that dog feces? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. When you got feces but no animal, you've obviously bagged it. And then the question is, where are you taking it? What are you doing? Because when you have a dog with you, you just look like a conscientious person. 
Yeah. And you're holding you're walking. But if you don't have the dog with you, now you're like, who's that creep? Right. Is that and yours? Did you did you go around a corner into an alleyway and exactly. just uh quickly you Am know. I picking it up? Am I am I you know what it reminds me of? Uh if you guys ever watched the American version of Getting On, uh, where Lori Metcalf's character is doing a fecal study <laughs> and the whole time she keeps being like, Save me that feces and it's so it had real fecal study energy to it. Me just carrying this and then I just kept looking around for a garbage can so I could hurry up and discard it. Because I was dressed kinda nice. And so you're like, Why is this nicely dressed lady who's clearly on a mission holding a bag of poop. Naomi, would you not marry me if I started a band called Fecal Study? I would still marry you, but I wouldn't let people know. I wouldn't let people know. It would be it would, it would be secret. It would be a secret. <laughs> Uh, but you know what I do want to let people know about, Andy? Uh, I want to let them know about today's guest. Yes, that's what I was assuming you were going for. And I love that segue. Who is our guest today, Naomi? Today, our guest is the inimitable. I said it. I said it. Rachel Bloom. We're talking writer. We're talking actor. We're talking comedian. You know her from her show, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She's also a star of the new show, Reboot, on Hulu. Rachel is out here doing the work, being a kind soul, really rolling with the fact that I was like kind of rude at one point and then I tried to dig us out of it and I think we were okay and ultimately <laughs> got to a good place but I was like I think this might be coming off a little more aggressive than I mean oh, but anyway yeah. she really was great about it Naomi Rachel is a mensch I'm sure mm. she did not take offense at anything and it was it was real you know she's an improviser so she rolled with everything and uh, this is a it. delight you know we're huge fans of crazy ex-girlfriend so yeah and we go way back so it's just been interesting because I feel like this was the longest conversation we've had since seeing her in LA right because we knew her in the New York days then she moved out here pretty early and then we've only reconnected with her through friends in recent months so yes, it was fun to get into it we've seen her a couple times through friends at various yeah. events and, you know, that's how we do it. If we see you out, we'll be like, do the podcast. So, you know, you got to be careful if you see us out because we will make you do it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but we will not. Uh, Charisma, if you are listening to this, <laughs> if we run into you, we will not ask you then. We're not uncouth. We are not gauche. Right. You wait till later. We will send you an email a couple weeks right. later. Right, okay? right, right, right. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So without any further ado, our friend Rachel. Roll it. <laughs> Rachel, can I start with an embarrassing anecdote? <laughs> yeah. The last time we saw you at a Latka Fest, and I was asking you something about your past. What fest? Latka Fest. Oh, Latka Fest. At, well, I would hardly call that a festival, my friend. No. That was uh, a restaurant that had three Latka cooks who were overwhelmed, <laughs> and, the, and the waiter, as you recall, was like, the service is going to be bad. And you're just going to have to deal with it. You're never going to see me again. I'm going to get your drink order one time. If you want anything else, you're not getting it. Yes. But yes, I yes. saw you at Latka Fest. I'm excited. Yes. I don't remember. This is a testament to how bad my boundaries are because I don't remember you asking me anything embarrassing or personal. Yes. Well, f first, Fest, yes. Way overshot. Yeah. It was Strong a Latka Strong sad the child's fest. birthday party. It was a Latka Birthday party where no one showed up. If it had and been a child's birthday party, the child would have been sad. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It would have been a, the one like when um, my parents had uh, one at Chuck E. Cheese and then it shut down and they had to scramble to find a new place for my birthday party when wow. I was like, six or something. 
it, it, it turned out fine. I think we ended up at Showbiz Pizza. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> the point is, the point is, I was uh, asking you something about uh, about uh, growing up Jewish, something like that, and I said, "Oh well, you grew up on Long Island, obviously." And then you're like, no, no, I grew up out here. And then everything flooded into it. It's a real testament to like what knowledge is and how we understand knowledge. Mm. Because I was like, like you're, uh, I remember listening to you on WTF and knowing about your past. And I realized I had confused your character on Crazy mm-hmm. Ex-Girlfriend, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, a show mm-hmm. name and I, our couple show, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with you, the actual human being. And it was so embarrassing because I'm like, I'm in this industry. I should not confuse an actual human being and the character they play because I understand the different levels that we're all on. I don't think that's embarrassing at all. And I'll tell you Mm. why. First of all, I wrote the show and I think it's assumed any character that comes from, you know, a a creator actor is going to closely mirror if not exactly mirror that person yeah yeah, no one thinks i'm from here everyone thinks that i'm from the east coast some people say the pacific northwest nobody says here and frankly when i go home to manhattan beach which is where i'm from which is a beach town insane to me 30 minutes south here no you're from california it it, it makes no sense it makes no sense to me either i walk around and i'm like i do not belong here (laughs) i can't i can't believe i was here it still doesn't it still doesn't make sense to me and I always was like I am meant to be on the east coast my grandfather's from the east coast and I spent a lot of time with him and he had a thick brooklyn accent my father's from boston my mother's from here but speaks like a new yorker weirdly and so I was like I meant to be on the east coast and when I went to school in new york yeah. I remember having this feeling of yes I was correct <laughs> and the fact that I'm back here now at the very least I'm in a place that has a lot of new york transplants it feels, you know, the Silver Lake Echo Park area feels Brooklyn-y, but the South Bay is, I still can't believe it. It's really, it's weird. I, yeah. I mean, I didn't know that, Andy. You didn't even tell me about this incident, this, this embarrassing moment that I, haunted I, you for you weeks. Were, oh, now I remember you were so embarrassed and I was like, I, it's really, um, I can lean into it and shame you if you want to add. <laughs> no, to no, 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 Rachel. I definitely no, no, don't that. I, it, it's... <laughs> I pride myself on being savvy, and so to to slip up in such a way, <laughs> I, really, it, it, you know what, my identity, I had this identity about myself, I thought I knew who I was, and then to be revealed as a rube, to be revealed <laughs> as, as if I, I just fell off the turnip truck well, into I, Hollywood. I will say, I think that's a big thing of yours, Andy, this idea of... Um, Rube falling off the turnip truck. I think you have a lot of baggage around being from Reading, Pennsylvania. Oh, and I think you really are yeah. trying to shake your Pennsylvania roots. Well, yeah. Well, when you met me, Naomi, remember I was chewing on a piece of <laughs> piece of straw? Yep. And you I chewed on straw. <laughs> but that, but is that, that's an insecurity of yours that you're like, oh, I'm still from nowhere, Pennsylvania. I'm still not with it. People know I'm not with it. No, I think, I mean, it, it goes deeper than that. It's really more <laughs> right. of a, it, it's not about Pennsylvania at all. Uh, it's it's more about like my entire identity when I was a kid was based on being a good student and being like mm. top of my class. And so all of like 
uh, <laughs> all of my like Pavlovian kind of of feelings are based on like, but I did good, right? I did a smart thing. I said a smart thing, right? Right? Where's my gold star, everyone? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to 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 have to make any kind of error at all. Oh, let Lord. alone, oh, let alone this kind of metatextual. Oh wow, metatextual error. Error. Yeah. Well, show business stuff is really weird too because the level, and I think this is maybe more of an of an LA problem than a New York problem, but the line between getting to know someone for just to just wanting to be their friend, and the line between getting to know someone because oh maybe we'll collaborate together someday. It's really really fine, and I'm thinking about this a lot because I just went to the Critics Choice Awards. Uh, two days ago, and I didn't. I was nominated for my show, and I didn't get a plus one, which means I didn't bring my husband. And wait, usually, hold on, sorry, you're yeah. the star of reboot. You did not. None of us like, got a plus. None of us none got of a plus one. Not Only even Paul Keegan. Reiser. No, no, not even Riser. None of us got a plus one except for Keegan, who was nominated. They they only have so much room, and it's fine. But what I found interesting was usually when I go to fancy events, I'm there with my husband. And my husband and I have been together for almost 15 years. And throughout all of the craziness, especially the first year of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend when I won a Golden Globe and it, and it, and it happened kind of very suddenly and I was, you know, 28 or whatever, it was nice to have this person who I've been with forever to, to look at, to make eye contact with. And then when people said crazy shit, totally. no one's ever, no one's mean, no one's mean, but, mm-hmm. but people are... Um, uh, when it comes to meeting actors, there there are a lot of uh, I suspect personality disorders going. Well, well, well intentioned, well intentioned, but but yeah. And so it's nice to be able to look at my husband and like make eye contact and just ground myself. But this award show, mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have him, and so um, there were certain things that happened where I was like, oh my god, did I just did I just make a fool of myself? And he wasn't uh-huh. there. To say, no, you're fine. Yeah. This is done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that you're, I don't know, I, I wonder if you'd ha- be beating yourself up if if I were your ophthalmologist as opposed <laughs> to someone else in the industry. I don't know. It's also weird because you're like, you just feel like anyone you meet, you have to say, I'm a fan, even though you've never seen their show or whatever. Oh, God, no. Like, I, don't I don't say that say at all, Rachel. Rachel, okay, I don't yeah, say that at all. That's good. That's Rachel, good. my whole this is the thing, I, and I think I don't know if it's because from doing stand up. There's something about stand up that really kind of strips away, at least for me internally, the the artifice of stuff. Like where I'm just kind of like, you know what? You probably cried in the bathroom today too. That's like how I see everybody. I'm like everybody is sick and suffering, and so <laughs> that is also that is also that is also to, for the record, everyone pisses and shits, and every we're all made of guts. I think that I. Fear. I'm a people pleaser. I, how much does the people pleaser in you interact with the site? Like, I know everyone is, we're all, everyone who's in this industry, it's, why are you broken? That's my first question. <laughs> Something, and my, my writing partner said the other day, we're all dented cans. Mm. But, yeah. but I also don't want, I, it's more that I know people's egos are very fragile. Right. And so I, I don't want to set someone off. Uh-huh. How much does that interact uh-huh. with the stand-up part of you that's like, whatever, I don't fucking care? 
Well, I think what I do, I think the thing is like, I am still trying to be nice. I still want you to like me, right? Yeah. Because I think what can be so tricky now, what I found in moving here, the phrase I love you has lost all meaning, <sighs> right? Because how many times is like, they love you. Oh my God, they love you. You know what I mean? Like my agent's like, oh my God, they love you. And it's like, literally means nothing. So that's why that's not what I would lead with. Like, unless it is somebody where yeah. like, usually I'll yes. talk to them a little yes. bit and then I'll reveal I'm obsessed. If it's like that. Or like when I see somebody, I'm like, I need you to know I am into everything you do is what I'll say. And then I'll kind of leave because it's more like that sense of not wanting to put pressure on a person. Right. Like, I don't want you to think you have to perform for me. I don't want you to think you have to, like, do the thing. So I'll try to Mm, keep it like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like that, I think, because as I start to be on the receiving end of that in very small ways and small levels, I do feel like when someone is really effusive, I'm like, okay, what do I give them back now? Yeah, I think that's also what it is, is, is that's a really good, what do I give them back? I, there's a pressure to match energy. If someone has an energy that you don't have, I feel sometimes a, not code switching. I feel like I need to suddenly give them back. I either give them back actory energy or (laughs) I become even more reserved. I don't know. It's, it's all, it's all, it's all weird. And I, and I've always said, I think this even more, anyone who's at a fancy award show and thinks, yes, this is me. This is natural. I deserve to be here is a psychopath. <laughs> and so either the way it manifests in people is people are super normal and it's actually thrilling to have normal conversations. And, and since becoming a parent, I find sometimes it fancy things it's really nice to talk to other people about schools where are you sending your kid to school what do you know about the magnet schools and charter schools it's actually really grounding so that's one type of conversation and then the second is dealing with people who it's a very weird frenetic conversation because they're not assholes but they're you know terrified to be there it's weird Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but every so everyone is dealing with the weirdness of being at an unnatural event differently in an unnatural town (laughs) yeah and and it's what i think is interesting is there isn't a sin i don't i don't find that anyone is sinister Mm -hmm. i don't i don't ever you don't you don't run into people who are like hey yeah this is my town again unless they're a psychopath (laughs) it's more that everyone has a little bit of an imposter syndrome because these things are so incredibly fancy and the pomp and circumstance is so blown out. No one knows really what to do with their hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and everyone is kind of in different ways dealing with the bizarreness of the whole thing. And I think that when I run into writers or comedians our conversations are much more shooting the shit. And I think that it's, I think it's a most, I think it's, I think it's much emotionally harder to be an actor, to be just Mm -hmm. an actor because it means you, even if your shit isn't getting made, when you're a writer, you get to pitch stuff. There's a, there's a certain amount of agency that you feel like you get to have, or as a stand up. there's, there's something that is yours. And I feel that with, people who are who are auditioning or waiting for offers of course they have agency over the roles when they get them but there is a certain lack no, of power you're to be, yeah. i think that that drives people insane in a way that you don't have to deal with 
if you are a writer. Yes, this is a town that is held together by a bunch of different mental illnesses, just kind of like that's the patchwork of right. Los Angeles. Well, it's connected wait, by wait. freeways, Andy. It's connected by freeways. <laughs> mental illnesses are joined. Mental illnesses connected by the 405. But <laughs> yeah. can I go a little deeper? Can you take mm. compliments at all? Do you, can you? Yes. I, okay. okay. I've learned. I, I've gotten a lot better. I've gotten a lot better and I take them well. And, uh, but I always assume, I assume at all times, nobody knows who I am. Or has heard of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because I think I was on a cult TV show, it is the type of thing where either you know me or you don't. So I'm used to both sides of the coin. I'm used to, for the most part, people not giving a shit or knowing me. And then occasionally someone, when they know me, they fucking know me. Because they're like, oh, I've watched yeah, it. Yeah, they're in, so, right. So there's a, there's a kind of... um. But I don't have any, I don't know. I try not to have any sort of don't you know who I amness because that is always going to lead to disappointment. I don't well, know. I think you should do that all the time. I think no matter where you are, you should be like, don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? <laughs> Just, but, but I'm saying it to like a bird. Yeah, exactly. yeah literally, whatever. Yeah. Animal, don't you know who I am, human, bird? statue. It's, um, now, okay, one of the things I really enjoy doing as an interviewer, a conversationalist, I like to really put my guests on their heels, Rachel Bloom. Yeah. <laughs> I like to tell them what I think of them. Um, you're like a, well, you're like to. a, you're like a Z-Way. Wow. Okay. So much younger than me. And yet I've compared to her. Ra- that brings me to my point, Rachel. <laughs> now, Rachel, I'll say this about you. Okay. Because you mentioned being 28 when you were on the globe. I, I, Maybe I, I think I was, tw- I was, no, I was 29. I was 29. Well, let- Okay, cool. Listen to me. <laughs> so you and I were at Improv 301 together. 501. Was it 501? Wait, 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 wait. Gavin? I, I remember seeing, I remember being at that no, show. No, 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 no. No, Gavin's it, I, I will, no, Gavin I will was, stake, I will no, stake my no, entire I think fortune she's, on no, this. No, Rachel's Gavin, right, though. It's, this is New York, right? Yeah, it had no. to be three. It was Gavin's, it was Gavin's 301. Oh, my God. It couldn't wait. have been. It could not Andy, have been. Andy, listen to me. I'm going to tell you my life, okay, Andrew? Because 401 was the class with me and 14 white dudes. Yes, and then I you took never a 501 did, after that. I never fucked with a 501 because I said I'm done here. You're total. You are. Oh, both, you are 100 wrong. You are both 100 percent wrong because oh, I remember Naomi. That is, I went to that show because I was infatuated with you. After oh, <laughs> creep! Wait, wait, wait! So I remember it. Wait a second. I I can look this up on my email. <laughs> it oh, was a class show, but I think it was had to be. I will class. stake. Gavin's okay, Andy. Okay, well, Rachel's gonna Rachel's gonna get us answers right now. Oh yeah. Okay, and hold what on. What was this? If you oh, look at this, ma'am. When I look at okay, when I look up Gavin Spieler on my email, um, and I go early. First of all, there's my submission for a mod team. <laughs> Hi, I like this is from December twenty eighth, twenty twelve. Hi, I'd like to audition for a mod team. Below is my information. Oh, here we go. Here we go. UCB class info. I've taken all improv levels through advanced study. Teachers are 101 Shannon O'Neill, 201 Anthony King, 301 Charlie Todd, 401 Gavin Spieler, New York. So that was the 401. So that was the 401? It couldn't have been because Naomi's 401 was her and 14 creepy white dudes. Look, all I'm saying is I think on December 28th, 2012, I knew my improv history. You knew your history. And I'm telling you right now, Gavin Spieler 401 was in... 
New York. And then that was the last improv class I took in New York before I did Will McLaughlin's class in L.A. Well, listen to me, because this is what gets me to my thing. Because yeah. I'll tell you this. So while Andy's, you know, spitting out in his head of thinking, oh, I'm a rube. I didn't know where Rachel was from. Something you said to me at Latka Fest, Fest used really inappropriately by the venue. Um, you know, you mentioned um, your mom being like an overbearing kind of a character. Yeah, and I'm saying that that's a light way to put it, and you'll tell us however much you want to tell us. Sure, yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. My, I, my hackles, my hackles are raised, but we'll, but, but no, keep you don't going. have to. But I found it surprising because in my head, you know, you were one of the, you were like one of the first people in the world of comedy because I will say it wasn't until I got to UCB and got in this world where people I was in class with were doing like, oh, I'd be flipping channels and I'd see somebody from class, you know, like in a commercial or doing a TV show or something, that it suddenly felt real to me. And it yeah. felt attainable. And then it felt like, okay, if it's attainable and I'm not getting it, something's wrong with me. Listen, I'm going somewhere. And then you had that <laughs> Ray Bradbury song. And next yeah. thing I know, you in LA and got a TV show. And I understand that's the fast way of putting it now that I'm in the business. But I remember like you were one of the first people where I was like, oh, I know this person. And like meaning like I've sat with her and like been in a class working, right? And now she's doing the thing. And in my mind, it was like, and what made me think of that is when you were asking, when Andy asked you if you could take compliments and you said yes very quickly. Because in my mind, I was like, oh, this is a white girl who was like, she grew up rich and everybody told her she was great all the time. And not in a bad way as much as like, oh, she grew up in a happy home. She grew up in a home where they were like, you're a star, you're perfect, never change. Mm. Keep doing everything. And then, of mm. course, she gets a golden glow before she's 30. Because that's what mm. happens when everyone tells you you're perfect. Mm. And look, I love Crazy Ass Girlfriend. This is not me. But I, literally, mm. I just thought, you know, I associate youth, success in youth with people told you you could do it, which is why you did it. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Like, that's yeah. what I mean by that. And so it was very interesting when we were talking, when you mentioned, I was like, huh, mm. she got mama drama? Mm. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised, you know? And so that's what brings us, you know, because couples therapy, you know, we can't, we can talk about the Critics' Choice Awards all day, but that's not what Andy's here for. Of course, of course. Andy says, let's get into your heart and soul. And so do I. And so I'm like, okay, she comes from mama drama, but she's out here. She's booked, busy, blessed. Also, your girl auditioned for Reboot. Your part. And when I read it, I go, this ain't me. This is supposed to be a white girl who real anxious. And then when you did it, I said, absolutely. This is the booking. This is the booking. This is what checks out to me. And I was like, should I even read it? Should I even read? Anyway, continue. Oh, boy. I love this. <laughs> There's a lot here. There's a lot here to unpack. Yeah, okay. That's, a, that's an onslaught. <laughs> I know. But Rachel can take uh, You know she comes from comedy. Well, I will say the way I talk about my family's my family is evolving and exploratory because my my parents google me and they listen to a lot of things mm, and they are quite supportive of my art they are mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is never a question they were always okay. supportive of my art so i'm I, the trepidation you hear is me weighing pros and cons in my head in, in the moment of what mm -hmm. to say, what not to say. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Here's what I'll say. <laughs> um, I grew up upper middle class, 100%. I went to public school, uh, but it was, a, it was a good public school community. Um, I'm Jewish, and so there was always an otherness that I felt growing up where I did. However, it's hard to separate how much of that was being Jewish and how much of that was me being weird. So something 
Andy. Something that, Rachel, that's so, my, so, so my something that conundrum. So something that, that greatly informs me, my my life, is that I was really made fun of uh my my whole life, but but it got really, really bad in middle school, around sixth, hmm. seventh grade. Um, that was also the time that I had developed what I now realize was some form of OCD. And I started to have these intense, intrusive thoughts. I was wearing sweatpants to school all day. I was wearing like baggy clothes. I was, I started cutting my own hair randomly. I was really made fun of. And it, and it, and it, uh, which the climax of that was in seventh grade, there was a school-wide prank to pay a popular kid to ask me out like as a big prank. No. Yeah, no. no, like a movie? Yeah, like a this movie. Is like TV. Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? And it was so trite and lame, and oh I kind of saw God. it coming, but it even hurt at the time. Yeah. I was a weird kid who liked musical theater, mm-hmm. and I'll say this, I, I was a weird kid with weird parents. We did not fit in Manhattan Beach at all. The one thing, and then I would say complicated relationship with my parents, Okay. Some yeah. highs. I will say they have always supported me as an artist. Uh, I'll just say there were some highs and there have been some lows. Uh, again, always evolving the way I uh, talk. Yeah. About. Yeah. Um, but, but the one thing I kind of always told myself, so there was a, I had very up and down self-esteem. And, you know, yes, yeah, sure. I, so I'm upper, I'm middle, upper middle class. But it was also in a school where there were really, really, really rich kids. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. never, and my family, frankly, didn't live. I, I always got to go to acting classes and stuff. And so that's a product of of having money. But we went to Chili's, the Olive Garden. We didn't, we didn't do fancy shit. And so the kids who were popular, who were also rich, who lived by the beach, I didn't, that, I never... I never associated with them, right? So, mm-hmm. so I never felt, I never felt like rich and 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 privileged. Whatever that means. By the way, Chili's very underrated mozzarella sticks. I, I really <laughs> love Chili's, and Olive Garden remains one of my favorite restaurants. Um, the one thing, so I had very up and down self esteem for many many reasons. You know, there's there's depression in there. There's undiagnosed what I now know ADHD, which overlaps a lot with OCD. I began to kind of say to myself, okay, well, at least I have musical theater. And all of these people are making fun of me, but they don't have music. They haven't been working hard at musical theater. And they, well, I don't have time to get invited to parties because I'm doing classes in Torrance at the Professional School for the Arts. And so it was this story I told myself. Basically, my entire self-worth was, became wrapped up in in my talent. Mm. And... And it was this intense fear of failure because if I were to fail, well, I'm not popular because of anything else. And I don't really like myself because of anything else. So if I'm not talented, if I don't get the lead, I have nothing. Mm-hmm. I am my ability. Yeah. And I got to college and, you know, you're, I knew in my head that I'd be in college with with people who were more talented than I was. But actually facing it, it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. And I kind of started... We're talking about. Yeah, yeah. NYU. And I kind of <laughs> started to slack off a little. In my head, I started to slack off. I also had very bad time management skills. I was getting very little sleep. I just have bad time management skills. And I joined this sketch group. And for the first time, because I hadn't said to myself for my whole life, I want to be a sketch comedian, 
it was the first thing that I tried hard at that I that wasn't wrapped up in my self-worth. And that's why I I fell in love with doing comedy. So so the answer of of, you know, how did crazy ex-girlfriend happen? I mean, I had this urge to prove myself and combine musical theater stuff and the musical stuff and comedy to combine the thing that I'd identified with my whole life and the new thing that I like felt fresh and I really, really loved. And I didn't see a lot of people doing music videos. And so I just started doing them. And I think that I, I think I found a thing that not a lot of other people were doing. And then I got not discovered, but I created a show with Aline Brosh McKenna who wrote the fucking Devil Wears Prada. She's 20 years my senior. She's wildly successful. That's just a... If I'd walked into a room alone with the crazy ex-girlfriend pitch, Mm. it would have not gone the way that it did. So... But it's... But, you know, it's interesting what you bring up because there's a lot of talk about Nepo babies right now, obviously. And... uh, and I'm not a Nepo baby. My father's a healthcare lawyer. I, I have no connection to the entertainment industry, despite the fact I grew up near it. I have no connections. I knew nothing what's a about it. Healthcare lawyer. Oh, what's a healthcare lawyer? He was a lawyer for HMOs. Hmm. Yeah. So you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he loves the law. Loves the law. Um, <laughs> So I have no con- I have no connection to the entertainment industry, and and getting an agent always seemed like how am I going to do this? It, it seemed very unattainable to me. But what I will say is, I went to school. I got a BFA. I had no student loans. I had ec- extra money to pay for the music videos that. God, I yes, didn't have a lot of money. I didn't, value. They I didn't, had production I, value. I didn't. Yeah, I mean, fuck me, Ray Bradbury was, I think, three thousand dollars to make. I had three thousand dollars from these savings that my parents had given yeah. me. So, am I a nepo baby? Not. Am I someone who was fortunate enough to go to a school with connections and then have the money to make high production music videos? A hundred percent. And I could also take UCB classes. I waited tables. But I, I mean, I was, I was barely making rent. I was terrible with money and I was barely making rent, but, but I used my savings money. I didn't use it towards rent. I basically used it towards these music videos. But wait, can so, I, can I yeah. interrupt you for a second? I just want to go into like the emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I think that's where I'm like, you know, your identity is wrapped up in this stuff, right? Yeah. At what point or did you decouple that? Oh, that's good. Yes. When do we decouple? Because I have not decoupled, which is why the failure hurts. It's it's really hard. It's really yeah. fucking hard. And I'm still on that journey. And I don't know if I'll... Look, I don't know if I'll ever fully decouple. I will say acting in something that I didn't write, my identity is much less wrapped up in that than yeah. something like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend where I wrote it, where I've, I've, I'm working for 16 hours a day. Um, but you still don't think like you're the, like the kid that no one's inviting to like, that's what I guess what I'm curious about. I sometimes, I sometimes, I I sometimes have that feeling a huge thing that helped is when I went on Prozac and I realized, oh, I've been also kind of chronically feeling left out. Well, first of all, I had very bad PMDD, a premenstrual 
a d- dysphoric disorder. Like I, without Prozac, my cycles, I went, I would have, I would go into like a deep depression probably one week out of the month. Mm. And with that came mm-hmm. these feelings of like, I remember being with friends and being like, I'm not included in this conversation and I feel left out. When I went on Prozac and my psychiatrist explained to me, yeah, you, you actually just have chemically lower serotonin when I felt that baseline of serotonin get up, I was like, oh, when I, when I think about how I used to feel mm-hmm. a lot of the month compared to now, it's pretty shocking. Yeah. And, I, and, and so I think that all of that mental health stuff helps give you some perspective, right? And especially when I went into regular therapy and when I went on Prozac and really made mental health a priority, it was the first time I'd even thought about how much am I making my career and my talent, you know, synonymous with my self-worth. It's helped that I've had the same partner and a supportive partner for almost 15 years. He's also in this industry, so he also, you know, (laughs) obviously has issues with, or or, or, or struggles with the question of how much is my self-worth wrapped up in what I do. And and I think our self-worth is necessarily kind of wrapped up in what we do because we're creative and it's a part of who we are. And, And now that I'm a parent, there's somebody who loves me and doesn't care, doesn't really know what I do. So that has helped with a healthy separation of keeping everything in perspective. But on the other hand, when I've been having a lot of toddler time and then I go back to writing, it feels so good because writing is a part of what I do. So it's this ongoing debate. I don't know. (laughs) Did you always want to be a parent? No, I wasn't sure. It wasn't something I would ever said absolutely not, but it was something that seems so far in the future. It seemed like nebulously maybe, and then Gregor was kind of a no. Hmm. He huh. wasn't like a firm never no, but he was like, I don't know if this is something I want, and I lean towards no, and I was like, I think this is maybe something I want, but I'm not... I'm open to not if -hmm. it's for you. Mm -hmm. So it was an ongoing conversation we had until I got pregnant. We really just, we talked it out a lot for the, what, 10, 11 years we were together before I got pregnant. What was the tipping point? Where was it where you were both, where you were ambivalent and he was a no, and then you, you tipped over into like, yeah, let's try this. You know, uh, we'd been gradually talking about it. He, I got him to the point where he was like, yeah, we were on vacation in Italy and where at I'd North, said, South? we were in Florence with some friends and I, and I Ooh. said to him, what if I went off the pill right now? Like, what if I, what if we just tried? And he was like, no, it sounds like, no, 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 no. Let's just enjoy our vacation and talk about it when we get back. And by the way, that's not how it, you don't go off the pill and instantly get pregnant. Like that's not how I didn't know anything about cycles. That's not that's not what happens. You go off the pill and anyway. So we said no. That day, I got in a scooter accident. And I was fine, but I went to the hospital. And it was this moment of kind of like life and death. And he and he said to me in the hospital, he's like, "I when you I wish I'd said yes." When you said, like, should I go off the pill right now? There was something about that scooter. And again, I was fine, but I went to the hospital and there was something very scary. And I think that moment, I don't know, tipped him into, I love you so much and um, let's 
let's do something scary and, and beautiful. Interesting. Very. Do you think? But he but again, like, he was he was good, he was okay with it. Like before, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. that definitely tipped him into the yes, and then, and then I will say my entire pregnancy was a ramp up to yes, <laughs> and and it's been a and it's been a journey, and I, I also think seeing Mike Birbiglia's show, the new one, really really helped him. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And and in Birbiglia's show, he talks about how he didn't really like bond with his daughter until like a year or so in, and and that's not necessarily what happened with my husband, but. I think there are certain guys who are just like, I don't, I'm not into newborns and infants. I don't, I don't know what this is. I don't feel, I don't feel the thing that I'm supposed to be feeling. And, and around a year, a year and change is when a personality starts to come out. And like, I really saw my husband, Hmm. you, you, it's, it's, you fall in love with your, with your child. I was just watching an episode of Frasier where (laughs) Frasier says that I've been on a real Frasier. Uh, no, he says it to Roz when, spoiler alert, Roz is pregnant. And he's like, you fall in love with your child. And that is really true. It's the first thing. When we were doing Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, we did a lot of research on love and infatuation. And there's this term called limerence, which is the psychological term for infatuation. Hmm. I feel, I never feel, thought that I could feel platonic limerence. But that is how I feel about my child. There's an in love quality that is that is platonic. There's a there's a plato- I guess the closest thing is my dog, right? There's a there's a platonic in loveness that not that grows because this person becomes themselves. Your your mm-hmm. child isn't born. Your babies are born fundamentally premature because our um our heads are too big. <laughs> It's like a thing where when we became bipedal, our hips narrowed and childbirth still hasn't adjusted to that. It's why I think human childbirth is, I think it's scientifically the most painful and dangerous childbirth because our hips are are narrow and our heads are big. So babies are born kind of young. And so the first three months, they call it the fourth trimester because they really still should be baking, (laughs) but anymore and they like completely split us open. I mean, they already kind of do, but anymore, and they totally split us open. So, uh, you're, it's like your newborn, newborns don't, they don't know anything. They're <laughs> like the comparing a newborn to my daughter now is like, I, those, are, those are just two fundamentally different people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One's just a lump. One's a lump, a just sweet a, lump, a but sweet not a personality. Lump who doesn't know anything, who, who's entertained by a light bulb. <laughs> And then now she has a personality and a point of view and and I show her pictures of herself as a baby and she's like, ha, da funny. <laughs> and and now she's she's like, oh, baby's cute. And I'm like, you are just a baby. You but you aren't a baby anymore. Anyway, I don't know if I this is on topic. Thrownness. But- you are just thrown into this already existing world as a as a nothing, as a as a lump. Yeah, everyone. I think everyone says being born is the most traumatic thing we all go through. Oh, don't worry. Life will give you some more. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, Naomi, but going back to your question, does that answer so... so No, it does. I mean, it was interesting because, like, you know, in a way, I was really just kind of like, just like, you know, because on one hand, it's not like inside the actor studio, but yes, what it takes, I think, when you are a young person to um, commit that hard 
and to be in, you know, like sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I could have, as much as I had dreams, I wonder if I kind of needed to be a little bit older before I could go all in on this stuff because it would have broken me too much. Do you know what I mean? But like hearing what you're saying is you as a, somebody, where you, as you said, where it's like you were so into musical theater and you were doing that shit from like, you know, middle school, you know, saying this is what I want. It does make sense to me that then, you know, once you're an adult and you're living on your own, that's where all the energy is. Like you've got to bet on this thing. Yeah. There yeah, is there was no a, alternative. There was always that strong drive. And even when I combined comedy into it, there was a strong, a strong drive. And I would say fear of death wrapped up in all of this of yeah. I want to make a mark I, I don't want to be on my deathbed and be like oh I had all these dreams I didn't realize mm-hmm. and and a lot of what I do comes from insecurity and and trauma and and dealing with mental health but to the other side again I I was in a state where I where I could pursue this mm-hmm. and of course that speaks to an amount of a certain amount of privilege, hundred percent. And anyone, and I think the what the reason people are giving nepo babies shit is that some nep some people who come from parents in the industry say like, but well, actually, I had to work even harder. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 because what they don't understand, and what I can tell them is, the fact that they never had to even wonder how do I even meet an agent, which is the hardest part. Th- that that's privilege. And that's something yeah. I didn't have, right? I went to a, a good school, but like the idea of like, how do you get an agent? Where do you meet them? Because that's your ticket into everything. Ooh, ooh! I remember my first job. I moved out here in 2013 for a writing job, and I was so sweaty because I was like, "What? Well, I'm here. I have a job. I should get a manager off of this, right?" Uh-huh. And it was just like every day was like sweat pouring off of me. Just like this is my only chance, and if I don't get representation from this then then that's it for me and well yeah, I, it's horrifying it's hard every everything feels like if you don't have success you are telling yourself this kind of um i don't know this e true hollywood story dated <laughs> reference but you're telling yourself like oh this was the moment i failed this was mm-hmm. the downturn this is what led to me uh frittering my life away that's right. that's my story yeah yeah, I think the Nepo baby discourse, this is the thing that I find interesting about it, which is like, one, what do you expect if you're born into a certain industry and you have an aptitude or a like for it, or it, at the very least, you want the privileges that come from being uh, an actor or something like that? What do you want the person to do? This is the, uh, I have like plenty of um, criticisms of our economic system. And other kinds of things, but like in capitalism as it is right now, what do you expect? What do you expect, uh, Lily Rose Depp to do? <laughs> right, right. If she what has she the opportunity do? to act with the weekend or whatever, right? <laughs> do you want her to like? I'm like, if you were in that position, would you say no? The problem is not the nepo babies necessarily. The problem is if you don't have an aptitude for it and you do it anyway, or. I would have a larger criticism of capitalism in general and the system as it is. And the fact that it's not, it, I wish people had just said it's not a meritocracy. If you had just told me that this yeah. was not a meritocracy at the beginning. And remember, all I, all I want was the gold stars and the pats on the head. 
and you just told me no, but that's you. You left when you left grad school. You left the world, and even grad school was not a world of cats on the head and gold stars. It was still a world of social networking and you know favors based on yeah finding your allies. It's all about finding your allies, allies, and that's a very different skill than make doing the work. Because quite frankly, sometimes you can find an ally who'll do the work for you, depending on your situation, and it's. We're not so bitter, Rachel. It's more like I don't think, I think that was. I think, it. For us, I I think, think, I think the move there. to LA has changed us and differently because it's not yeah. that we weren't pursuing it in New York, but there is a different. It doesn't have that same all-in feeling. It doesn't have that same sense that you're surrounded by it, and so then learning. I noticed for me, you know, sitting down and writing. It's 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 a, it's the long emo- emotional journey to sitting down and writing mm-hmm. that is actually the harder thing than the writing itself, and learning that. That, I think that for me is a big, I think that is a um, byproduct of just living on the hell mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like if I wasn't <laughs> on the hell mouth, I don't know if I would need to do as much psyching myself up and talking myself through and working through whatever to like do If you thing. were Faith instead of Buffy. Yes. Yes. If I was Faith instead of Buffy. That's the reference. Talk about dated reference. E true Hollywood story and Buffy. We're all young and cool. We've got to take a break so we can at least answer one question, Andy. Someone needs some of Rachel's wisdom. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back after this. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Can we take a minute and talk about Skims? Now, you know I'm a recent Skims convert, having tried their underwear in the last few months, and I am now living lifted, supported, changed. So I decided to keep trying new stuff. And let me tell you, Skims basics and foundations are where it's at. Yes, I recently got the soft, smoothing, seamless t-shirt. And y'all, it is so comfortable. It's been the perfect layer for me. I'm rocking it under a cardigan or a sweater when I want to keep it fitted and fabulous and not look all bulky. I mean, y'all know I'm back to work. Hashtag blessings. And I'm definitely that girl who is always cold in the office. Okay, I need my layers, but I'm still trying to look put together. And the soft, smoothing, seamless shirt is helping me get it right. And I also got the boyfriend t-shirt in Heather Gray, and it is so friggin' soft and comfortable, and it's giving casual but intentional when I wear it with a pair of jeans. I'm feeling very good in it. So if you want to give these and other basics a try, shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small through 4X. Thank you for the range, Skims. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's skims.com. Go check out everything they've got and the new t-shirt shop. Dear listeners, Andy here doing the ad read again. And today we're talking about me undies. As the male half of couples therapy, I was asked to do this one because we're talking about boxers, which, and I hope I'm not breaking any confidences, Naomi does not wear. Now, if you're a podcast listener like me, you've heard plenty of ads for me undies. And frankly, I had always thought it's underwear. How special can it be? And then I tried them and friends 
It is like wearing magic. It is like wearing a dream. It is so soft, there is nothing earthly I can compare it to. I am embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed to say I'm middle-aged and just finding this out. But the material your underwear is made out of really does make a difference. I won't say where I usually get my boxers from, but for comparison, me undies are like wearing a cloud covered in angel's feathers, and the other ones I wear are like wearing a bear trap smothered in puke. Me undies got style for everyone, from all black classics to fun expressive prints in sizes extra small to 4XL. And they use sustainably sourced materials and work with partners that actually care for their workers. Also, I got to point this out. There is a particular technology that the folks at MeUndies would like me to discuss. Now, you know Naomi is sex negative and I am sex neutral. So I didn't want to have to say what this technology is. So I asked friend of the show, friend in real life, Mort Burke, to say the phrase. So, okay, here it goes. For any listeners with penises and testicles, I can say medical words. I can say medical words. You might be interested in me undies sophisticated contoured pouch and ball caddy. What's that again, Mort? They're incredibly comfortable contoured pouch and ball caddy. Wonderful. Thanks, buddy. Okay. Soft underwear comes in all packages at me undies. So to get 20% off your first order plus free shipping, go to meundies.com slash therapy. That's meundies.com slash therapy for 20% off plus free shipping. Me undies. Comfort from the outside in. And we're back. Andy and I, even in two different rooms, I think we managed to sync that up. Really proud of us. Now, Rachel, look, you said you've done your therapy. You're taking your Prozac. You're on <laughs> How a long journey. have you been in therapy, Rachel? Uh, I started on and off in college and then really went into it. I've really been like, okay, I am. I really need to be in this seriously for, for about 10 years, like consistently. A decade, a dime. She's been doing a dime in therapy. Yeah. This is the work. Rachel, people, they come to us. They need us, okay? <laughs> they need us. And we've got to just, that's why we say open your heart, loosen your butt, because that's, yeah. we don't know what we're going to get. Andy, bring us our first one. Ooh, okay, we got, a, we got a real serious one up top. Okay, so. all right, all right. Hey, Andy and Naomi. My name is A. I'm just going to call myself A. Um, and I have a little question for you guys. So, my boyfriend of five years, his dad had a heart attack and died um, a month ago. And um, he's just been really struggling and obviously grieving. Um, and I've been trying to, like, be there for him and be a support system for him through everything. But I'm also, like, struggling right now um, with my own shit. Like, I'm having some health issues, and I have really bad, like, health anxiety. Um, and he is very sexual, and, like, one of the things that really, like, calms him down uh, and brings him joy is sex, like, through his grief. And he basically has just, like, come to expect sex every night, um, which, like, unfortunately, I just can't give to him all the time. Um and, like, this morning we had a talk basically about how, like, I'm not being, like, the bright light that he needs right now through everything. And I guess I just would appreciate some advice on, like, how to be a supportive partner to someone who's grieving 
while also like taking care of myself and letting him know that I'm also struggling. Um, it's just fucking hard. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I love you guys so fucking much. I'm constantly, constantly listening, replaying episodes. But yeah, thank you so much. Okay, bye. Oh, hey, hey, I'm so, so sorry that you're going through this. I'm so sorry, first of all, that we have to say that, that this whole sit between, you know, your boyfriend losing his father, the things you're going through uh, personally, and then the third, which is the relationship negotiation of this, um, you know, it's three different things ha- at least happening right now. And that is very hard. So let's just like acknowledge that and not pretend like this is not real shit um you know i am i don't you know rachel uh, i'm sex negative andy sex neutral so you know i the idea of having to it's hard i mean i guess i don't know it's like i don't know rachel do you have any what do you mean wait thoughts? what do you mean sex negative and sex neutral i'm fascinated um oh this is here's the here's where it breaks down when we actually have to explain what it is because i don't think we it, it would start as a joke where we like we were positioning ourselves against everyone who was so sex positive and was out there talking about like yeah. eating ass and everything yeah, yeah, like yeah, that yeah 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 yeah, and, yeah. And we're just like, <laughs> i'm like i don't want to talk about i don't want to talk about any of that stuff <laughs> and naomi was like not only do I not want to talk about it, but I'm going to position myself totally opposite. That it shouldn't happen. Look, I look, and I and I'll, look. I'll tell you, too viscous. Uh, but seriously, mm. uh, sex is not for me my primary mode of experiencing love, and that mm. is a sharp change from my twenties when I only knew someone liked me if they were inside me. Okay, and that has just been like part of my gr- like that's just where I'm at like growth. Not that I don't enjoy it, but it's not for me the thing where I'm like. This is where love is. This is where the closest is. That to me is not the greatest level of intimacy I can have with somebody. That's what I'll say. That's like where I'm saying, like my neck, sex neck. All right. And sex nooch. I think Andy's not nooch as much as like, you are sex pause, but it's more like, you're like, let's not talk about it. Bodies are gross. I think Andy's thing is, I I don't want to talk talk about about it. I will, I will talk about it with my wife, and that is about it. That <laughs> yeah, is the sure. only person. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, like, I remember I was uh, talking to a person who is not my friend, not for any other reason, but like, this is uh, like 10 years ago, and they were like, oh, yeah, I like to, they were saying how they like to talk about like their girlfriends with their male friends and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I literally <laughs> said, don't talk, no. And there's a reason that th- there's a reason why our friendship never progressed past that conversation. <laughs> I'm like, you keep your intimate stuff uh, in your pants. I don't want to know about it. Um, but I will say that to say that like, certainly, yes, it's not always easy. But I think it's very important that if you do not want to have sex with your partner, you don't do it just to do it. I think so. I really think so. I think that like there's got to be other ways that y'all could have some fun or that part, your partner got to go take care of themselves. There has to be something else because if, you know, in grief, having sex is like you know the time where it's like i'm not thinking about this shit i don't mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's, it is I, I i can i can see that right like it's a time when it's like nothing else you're not thinking about anything else and that's a nice respite but if you don't physically want to have sex i don't think you should be doing that just to give your partner the respite even they got to go find another way to get that respite yeah i mean 
Well, Dan Savage talks a lot about sexual compatibility and like in, in a long-term relationship, like if this were a long-term problem, like is there a sexual incompatibleness going on? Yeah. And I think that the first thing is awareness of like, yeah, my partner wants sex more than I do. And we know that. And this is how we make it work. This sounds almost like a short-term, not a short-term problem, but like it's a very immediate problem. Um, I mean, I know that if, if it were me and I were in the situation, I'm so sorry again, um, I, 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 uh, I would do, I would just get into couples therapy and, and talk this out. Like, it seems oh. like there's just, I mean, that's probably going to be my, th- that's my thoughts for many things is just like, <laughs> is like talk to a qualified therapist, but like, this is a really complicated issue and it's, it involves grief and, and health issues and sexual compatibility. And like, um, it, it, uh, it just seems like something that only talking it out and being overly communicative can only be the closest thing that I can think of to a solution or, or, or a, an antidote. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause I was going to say like, buy him a flashlight or something, uh, <laughs> but it's not the, it's not the actual act of, sex that is the thing i see i don't know if it is the uh, that's the thing when you you said you're not the light i need right now right so that that's my problem that speaks to that's not just sex that's not just orgasm that speaks to something deeper which is it's not just about sex it's she's not this she's not being hopeful and positive in the way that he he needs or or wants because she's going through her own issues also she's dealing with a partner who is grieving and so Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's that speaks to uh, they're both grieving right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I just don't think that you can expect another person like it feels a really there's this thing that's going on in the 21st century where people they throw other people away if they're not the exact thing they want at that moment. It feels really disposed. Like it feels like people treat other people. Like I remember there was a, a time when I saw some uh, famous comedian who I won't name, but they're like, "Well, if this person is not a positive force in my life, I stop being friends with them." And I'm like, "Well, is that the like? What if they're going through something?" This idea that his girlfriend is supposed to be this light in his life is unrealistic. I'm just like, well, that what that's the only reason you're with her, or that's the only reason you're getting like he, I I find, and maybe it's just because the caller is the one who is expressing her point of view. But I'm like, this is kind of his. Obviously, he's grieving, but it, I'm like, you can't expect that from another. You can't expect you can't control another human. You can't expect them to be something. Get a dog. Get something that will always be a positive well, force. Well, but this goes back to what Rachel was saying, which I do agree. Couples therapy, but then also individual therapy and that is not saying go talk to someone else because i can't talk to you what it's saying is we need all hands on deck and we need more than just me and i think for a lot of us i think there's both that which is this romantic idea that your partner's supposed to be everything to you that we've got to like let go of i think secondarily i think for a lot of us in the last three years our worlds have gotten smaller mm-hmm. that we have like for instance like i do think for instance andy i lean on you more than i would have probably before we were in a house together nonstop for two years because now like my default is to go to you because that's what I did for so long and I have to undo that default and start texting other people and calling other people and I think even for this with this boyfriend yes but I'm saying like with this boyfriend where it's like 
you and we and this is not the first we've had a, another question we've had a couple questions recently where it's like my partner is grieving what do I do how can I help and it's like one of those things where it's like you know you I think it's about giving your set being of service in the moments you can be and when you and then you know encouraging that person to reach out to other people and do other things it's about building up your arsenal in this life who do you go to what do you do what are the things that help you and make you feel better because your partner can't always be there. What if it's a world where your partner's like living abroad for six months or the person is just like, you know, away from home doing whatever. Like you've got to be able to self-soothe and take care of yourself. And and I'm not saying that you are, you leave your boyfriend in the lurch and are like work it out. But what you're saying is that like, I will, I will be there for you when I can and when I cannot. Um, I would I would I hope you have other people, other places, other activities that can give you some of that light because yeah, uh-huh. you want to be taken care of. Right. Because think about it. If if this person's father has died, we don't know if that was their only parent. We don't know if now the other parent is not present because they're grieving. Right. Like he may be leaning on you because he's like, well, no one else can take care of me. And so what he needs to work on in this process is finding other places to be taken care of. And sometimes that's somebody you pay $50 an hour on a sliding scale. You know, I love a sliding scale listeners. Okay. You ain't got to spend $200 to get your head right. We can find you a sliding scale situation. And again, as you said, Rachel too, this is short term. So this could also be something where it's like, there also are, there are groups, you know, grief counseling. And a lot of that can be free. So there are places where you can go and be in a room of other people who are going through something similar to what you're going through. And then you and those people can often, after the meeting, people go get coffee, they talk, they call each other. That may be something he needs. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all I can speak to is my, 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 I had an experience not like this, but I had a baby during COVID, my writing my songwriting partner died a week after my baby was born. We were quarantining with a newborn while our house was under construction because we bought a lemon of a house. It was it was a really hard time. And my husband and I uh, kind of took turns being miserable. And all I can say is we just talked about it a lot. And mm-hmm. we just talked very openly where we were at. And there was nothing that was left unsaid. And that helped us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that though, like taking turns. <laughs> That's what it felt. It felt like we necessarily had to kind of take turns, but yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's it's that. And this is when relationships are, you know, being there and how do you deal with each other through the bad times and through the mm-hmm. really bad times? It's right. like a sketch where you have multiple weird characters. Those multiple weird characters. Uh-oh. Naomi's not have feeling. To play. Naomi doesn't like this. No, this is nope. a good metaphor. Hold on. The multiple. <laughs> the, when one character is being weird, the other character can't be weird. The other character has to straight man the weird one for it to be funny. Because if you have a weird yeah. character and another weird character, and they're just being weird with each other, it's just strange. I you're, find you're that there is yes, yes. That's a good way of there's a give and take with who who the unusual what the unusual thing is at any given time but also sometimes you're both the unusual thing right and, and that's, that's when it doesn't work and that's when you, you pay someone 50 dollars or or you know <laughs> exactly or more yes. than 50 dollars 
Or That's more. what a therapist is. The therap- you, you pay a therapist to be the straight man in your sketch. <laughs> Jesus. I don't like these sketch analogies. You know I don't. You know I don't. But do it's true. Be, do you want me to make it stand up? The audience is the straight man to you. No, I don't want it to be one. comedy at all. I just want it to be real life. Andy, do you, do you, Rachel, do you have time for another or do you have to go, baby girl? You can yeah, I can do one more. All okay. right. I'm going to do I got a short one. It's a, a little more fun. This comes to us from an Instagram direct message. Mm-hmm. Anon, please. Hi, Naomi and Andy. Huge fan of the pot and inspired by your love. Oof. I'd like to remain anonymous, please. Oh, my God. I called it. I said Anon, please, as a joke. <laughs> you should. I would say that's most of them. I default to anonymous unless someone says they specifically want yeah. to have their name yeah, on Yeah, but the I, think when, I, I think when they say they're anonymous, I assume it's going to be some real tea spilling. I was like, ooh, you got you to go off the grid for this one. But go ahead. I have been dating someone for a few months, but in the middle of our romance, moved to Los Angeles to work in the entertainment industry. Oh, no. I am now in a long-distance relationship and want to try because I love this person, but can't help but think I'm delaying the inevitable. Mm. He does not work in the entertainment industry and has no reason of his own to move out here, and I am not moving back to the East Coast anytime soon. (laughs) Am I a lost cause? Question mark. Is that the whole question? That's the that's the whole question. Naomi, you asked for a fun one. That is the most fun. <laughs> that's the most fun one in our inbox at the moment. So they're Ooh. they moved to LA. Okay. And they don't want to yep. be long distance forever. Yeah. But they're saying they want to do long distance, but are like, is this stupid? Should I should I not even be trying? Maybe they could move to Vancouver together. Where <laughs> you got a little bit of the entertainment industry and then you got some other stuff, right? Well, it's been a few months, right? They've been dating. Mm. Now, wait, have you... Well, they've only been dating a few... Oh, I missed that part. It's been a few months, right? You said a few months. So that's the thing. It's not that long. But that's why I'm like, you got to give me... And see, this is the thing. I like concise, but I also like details, okay? Because you need to let us know what about this person is making you even want to try? What is making your heart sing? Also, are we DM... I mean, are we texting? Are we FaceTiming? How is it feeling when we do that? Right, because that'll let you know if you're delaying the inevitable or not. Like it was no good. But Rachel, were you and Dan ever long distance in your love together? Yes, for a year. Uh, he was in L.A. and I was in New York, and we did frequent visits. And then I was in L.A. for a, like a month of that, so you know it was on and off long distance, and it felt like purgatory. Long distance <laughs> to me felt felt like okay, we we want to be together, but um. But we knew it was temporary because I had been planning to make mm-hmm. the move to L.A. Um, How long had you been together at that point when you, when he got the gig? <sighs> little over a year. So not oh, too long. so pretty early. Yeah, so pretty yeah. early. But we'd known, e- we'd known each other for a couple years before then mm-hmm. as friends. And yeah, this was 20, we were long distance in 2010 and we got together. You got together as babies then. If you said it's 15 years... That was in I, college? Yeah, we started dating my senior year of college. I've been okay. with him forever. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did you date anyone before, Dan? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, uh, but a fun fact about me is I have never slept with anyone who didn't go to NYU. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I have never, and I have only slept with one person who didn't go to the Tisch School of the Arts, and that one person <laughs> is my husband. <laughs> So just to give you a sense of the the sample size. Uh-huh. You asked to see transcripts. 
<laughs> yeah, you're you're meeting them in Washington. I mean, Square Park. I, the first question was I asked to see if they were straight because uh, right, right, they're right. in Tish, and then and then yes, uh, uh, transcripts. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got. I mean, look, we have some dramatic writing in there that helps. You know, some dramatic mm-hmm. writing program. Sure, uh, sure. But yeah, we were long distance, and it there definitely is a was a purgatoriness to it. But maybe because I knew I was moving out, and it's. Uh, it's hard. I mean, God, dating someone for a couple months. I don't know. But though my my best friend and his husband, who have been together as long as my, uh, my husband, they got together almost the same month in 2008. He and his husband were, they met in LA, they fell in love. And then his husband lived in Germany and they were long distance for like wow. a year while his husband was in Germany. His then boyfriend, now husband was in Germany and they made it work. So I think that if the, I think that anyone can make it work. It just depends on the relationship. Every relationship is different. Yeah. What What was the thing that was keeping you and Dan together over that year? Like, what was it that where you're like, no, I, I want to keep going back and visiting? And oh, we just knew that it was. I just you think knew there he was, was a, the guy. Yeah, we had already said I love you, and and yeah, I knew. You I, did. I I I did. And I just knew, and and it just wouldn't. The idea of breaking up didn't even occur to us, mm-hmm. to be honest. It was like, okay, I'm he, I'm moving to LA for a thing. We're going to be long distance. It just didn't. It didn't. It didn't occur to us. And and maybe that's a testament to where we were at in our relationship, and just knew that it was a, a we had a great thing going on. Well, that's but it's always very. Uh... I'm always in awe of people who knew that so young. Not that I didn't have strong feelings for people, but I was never really right. Do you know what I mean? No. Like, so I'm like, so for you guys to have that feeling where you're like, this is my person and I know this is like worth, you know, this discomfort for, you know, a little bit to be on the other side. I think like, cause I think it's so tempting, you know, when you're like, I'm young, forget it. I'll just go date someone else. Or it's like, who knows? You know, I, I think it's easy to tell yourself, well, I'm young. I should just go have new experiences or whatever the fuck, you know, <laughs> you guys do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think and I think for me, it was also I had had past relationships, relationships. Re- the word relationship is strong, but I had had past relationships and um, the relationship I had just come out of before him was very up and down. It was with someone who was quite emotionally cold and i mm. and i definitely were attracted was attracted to the idea of oh but they're not cold with me i bring out the best mm-hmm. in him uh but he didn't bring out the best in me so i also think i i was in a for the first time in my life a healthy relationship but also it felt right mm-hmm. but i but i known at that point what a healthy relationship was because i had been in such an unhealthy bad dynamic previously Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, and also it wasn't just like that. I, I mean, there was there a part of me that knew, sure, but I wasn't saying that. I was just more saying like I, I love this person, and we make and we have a we make each other better, and uh, there would be no reason to let distance be a factor in us breaking up. Right, right. Well, then I think this goes now to our to our writer. That's kind of the question. And again, it's been a few months, and so and because you didn't give me no details. I can't know, you know, is there something about this person that makes you feel like, oh, they're really great and we have a connection that I haven't had before or a connection that I really want to hold on to? If that's what you feel, then no, I don't think you're delaying the inevitable. You're trying to make something work with somebody who you feel a connection to. Now, 
if there's a part of you that is trying to keep him because there's something comforting about like, oh, someone likes me somewhere and I moved to a new place and I just want to stay in the house and I don't want to have to think about, you know what I mean? Like that's different. Then that is like delaying the inevitable, right? So I think you have to assess the feelings you have for this person and you know what you want because you say, oh, uh, he's on the East Coast. There's no reason for him. Sorry if I'm using the wrong. Was it a he pronoun? I don't know. But like they're on the East Coast and there's no reason for them to move out here. What's well, like, well, you never know. You could be that reason. At I was about, I was, that's what I was just about to say is the reason is, is you. I know, yeah. I know people who've moved to LA for the entertainment industry whose partners aren't in, in it and they found a job here. I know of someone who moved here and uh, their, uh, their wife is a professor and yeah. she got a job at a school here. So it depends on the job and it's only been a couple months, but a year from now you're still together. Yeah. You could be the reason. Exactly. Yeah, there are at least six jobs in this town that are not <laughs> part of the entertainment industry. Also, you want someone who's not in the biz. I mean, my God, if you found someone not in the biz, bring them over here, please. <laughs> we could use more people here who aren't trying to do it, okay? Um, but I, I will say this, though. All of our single friends in this town live in a romantic hell. So That's true. If there's anything, <laughs> if there's anything to hold on to with this person on the East Coast, just cling tight. <laughs> I will never tell you to cling, but cling I will tight, say like a baby koala <laughs> clinging to its mother. <laughs> but yeah, I think you'll know the feel. And if you know, if in, if you got, again, if you're, if you're FaceTime and in texting and zooming and that feels good and it feels nice and it still feels like you're part of each other's lives, even though you're, you have a distance, then it's not, then you're doing it. You're doing what you can do. And you know, and then maybe, you know, if he working, then he come out here for a, for a nice long weekend or something. It could happen. And I you're think you're also you're putting it on yourself. Am I a lost cause? Like a relationship is two people. You wanted to move to L.A. for your career. You're you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, ex- you didn't do anything wrong. Ain't that the truth? So I think it's you know, it can happen. And then also, like, you'll also know if it's not working. And then you 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 call it. And then you join a, a softball team out here. That's what people do. You either get a yoga certification or join a softball team. That's how people <laughs> process breakups. So it's fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. I believe it. I really do. I believe you'll be fine. Now, Rachel. 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 Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for, Thank you for having me. I felt like I explored a deep, a deep, viscous part of myself that I hadn't. Ooh. To use the word that you hate. Or, or can, the, I, can I just go back for a second to the very beginning? I was embarrassed in the moment. The embarrassment only carried over to today for comedic purposes. I okay, want everyone good, to good, know good. that. Good, oh, good, good, I need everyone Andrew to know Beckerman, that. Andrew Beckerman. Rachel, please. You know what? You have earned a rest. You've earned a hang. Rachel, please. A na- Rachel, please. And... Um, you're just a real, you're just a real sweet lady. So oh, I appreciate thank you. you. The time. You're very sweet. You're very sweet too. And I hope that my uh, trauma helped me be more relatable to you. Because <laughs> um, well, I you could both really... have you both have mama drama. So yeah. yeah, we have mama drama. But I was like, oh, she's one of us. Interesting. But it's also more about like it's very just interesting that the, the stories I've told myself about people. Sure. Um, as a way to create some sort of logic in an illogical system or wor- like world period. I don't mean system. I mean world. Of course. You know, and it's so funny because I didn't I didn't think about myself in the context of like, oh, yeah, I got success quite young. 
And I'm sure that people who'd been in class with me were like, Ugh, what the fuck? <laughs> and, and I don't see myself that way uh, for many reasons, but, but it's a good point. Well, it's also just not knowing the backstory because that's the thing. It's like yeah. I wasn't what the fuck, but again, I just met that part. Right, like, I met you on that end of things where it's like I didn't know, and so I'm always just and I'm also just very. Curious. I wasn't in L.A. with you. I left New York yeah. to get an agent. And you were like, I was in fucking four hundred one with her. Five hundred one. What the fuck? Yeah, hold on. Uh, Andy, but but Andy, I want to you know. say as a testament to how good Crazy Ex Girlfriend is, that was one of our couple shows. That's Naomi, very, that's very true. lovely. Naomi could watch that. There are things Naomi cannot watch. <laughs> because out of out of jealousy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Too yeah, triggered. Yeah, sure. Too triggered. I get it. Too stressful. Too stressful. So yeah, I was like, this is it. this is it. Like I was like, I, I adore it. And I and I so, Oh, so that makes me yeah. that actually makes me that makes me very yeah. that makes me very happy. Thank you. Oh yeah, absolutely. And this episode made me very happy. And I hope it made you happy, listeners. We will see you in next week. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.